Welcome to the Strong Towers Podcast, a podcast with one simple vision, build up, become strong. Welcome to another Strong Towers Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mike Lara, and I'm joined once again, my friends, Tom Edwards and John Ackerman. It's been a couple weeks, guys. I feel like we have not had the opportunity to just sit down and actually uh, catch up um, in a few weeks. So how, how are you guys doing? Doing pretty well. You know, moving into the fall here, it feels like the year is getting its its rhythm going a little bit, which maybe sounds strange to say, but uh, having run the, the teacher schedule for so long, it, it just feels like our, our year kind of operates on that oh, yeah. calendar. And I know both of you guys have kind of similar experiences with that. And now that, you know, our, our oldest is in kindergarten, we are sort of like back into that as our family rhythm as well. And so, you know, hitting November time frame feels like everybody's got their legs under them and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's been interesting having a kid in school now. And I know, Mike, you're, you're doing the same with Kellen, you know, and just hearing their stories about what they do during the day, dealing with things that come up at school, you know, or, or for us, it, a lot of it has been trying to figure out how to, how to handle uh, Aiden when he comes home from school, comes home. And there's like this weird mix of jazzed from the day. And at the same time, like it's a long day for a kindergartner. And so give him some space but try to engage him on on what the what his day looked like and have him be a part of the family as well with his sisters especially when he's you know maybe feeling grumpy or or you know doesn't doesn't know how to identify what he's actually bringing into the mix when he comes off the bus in the afternoons you know so we've been trying to navigate that and figure out what parenting looks like for him individually and in a new season for him so that's been that's been interesting so i got a a real quick question and and i only say this coming from a a teacher spouse perspective but now that you're away from the classroom have you had the opportunities to do stuff like take him to the bus and pick him up from the bus and if so how awesome does that feel now that you don't you're not tied down to other people's kids and you have the opportunity to actually be there for yours at yeah. the bus stop. No, it is it was cool. I, you know, I've I've had a chance to go to the bus stop a couple of times and and put them on and uh and get them off in the afternoon and I mean, just he's so excited to, you know, like he just gets on the bus and you know, he's waving out the window <laughs> kind of thing, you know, like yeah. Um, you know, or you watch him just like walking down the sidewalk in the neighborhood with this backpack that's like, you know, 75% of his body weight and, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's really fun. And, and I had the opportunity, uh, a couple of weeks ago to go in for his birthday oh, and, cool. uh, and like read a, a story to the, um, to the class and, but that teacher thing still, it still pops up. Oh yeah, I'm sure. It, I'm sure. You know, like, and I don't know, I, I don't know how other parents see it because I, you know, I have so much experience from the mm-hmm. teacher side. And so I don't know if other people would just totally miss it or, or whatever, but, um, the, we have a, a pretty diverse demographic at the elementary school. And oh. so there are kids in kindergarten who speak Spanish yeah. at home. Yeah. 
And so as kindergartners, this is like their first experience mm-hmm. for some of them with, you know, kids that are just speaking English all the oh, time. Yeah. And I'm reading that story and I could tell, uh, you know, I, I, this one girl in particular, I could see, you know, she's just, she doesn't have enough English to really follow what's going on. And so she's kind of checked out of the story. And like my teacher heart is like, <laughs> man, I should have come in being able to read this story in Spanish too. <laughs> so that, you know, so that yeah. I could get all of the yeah. kids in the room and, or, you know, and how cool would that have been yeah. for those kids to get story time in Spanish as well, you know? That's cool. But yeah, I think that's probably just my, weird teacher brain going into overdrive that's good in those situations oh that's real good i think for me when i think more about what's going on with this with this time frame in school from that perspective it is that ability to be there when when kellen comes home or or being just you know pick him up from from after school care and and just being that not having the teacher perspective but just being just dad yeah um we had our parents teacher conference recently and I was the only non-educator at the table, so there was like <laughs> there was like a, po- a point where they were like, "Oh, I don't have to explain this to you." My wife, my wife's a kindergarten teacher, and so they reached over with some tests and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, you understand this? You do this with your students." And Jenna was like, "Yeah, yeah, okay, cool." And I, I kind of like had to raise my hand and be like, "Hey, um, sitting I, in the little seat, yeah, in the little that's the worst <laughs> knees button up, knees button yeah. up against the table." And I'm yeah. like, "Hey, I don't know any of this stuff. Explain it for the uh, big dummy in the corner." And it was really cool just, like, actually, like, getting experience. I had lunch with him the mm-hmm. other day, and I got to meet some of his friends. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that. Uh, was it the scene out of, like, uh, was it Big Daddy? Where he's, like, where he's like interviewing all the kids on the playground. Yeah. kind of felt like that. And then and, yeah. and that's going on. And that was going on. But I, 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 I love this age. I love kindergarten. Yeah. But going it's back to the, in the school year, full swing, November, I mean, how's it, how's it going for you, John? Honestly, it's, it's good times. You know, I feel like the the usual the usual graphic for the teachers and the progression of the school year is you're really excited at the beginning of the year, and then you know sometime pre Thanksgiving, like you're in this sort of downhill. The brakes are failing, and it's just like crash and burn mode. <laughs> and Thanksgiving kind of gives you just a little bit of a lift, but only in time to get to the winter holiday. Yeah. At which point you kind of bottom out but you got like a week to recover and then february is just like everything's on fire and then you sort of crawl out of the debris and you know drag yourself through march and april and may yeah just you know praying for summer vacation again um but honestly this year and the last couple years like it's just been fun you know it's just been fun for the most part i mean let's be real like you're working with teenagers like there are days where you could happily remove half of them and <laughs> you know from the face of the earth and and go on about your day um you know with peace and joy but like, it's just been it's been fun i i just i walk into my classrooms and there are challenges but i'm just i'm reminded on a weekly, if not daily basis, just how much I enjoy being in the classroom Um, and how much I'm looking forward to a break. So, you know, (laughs) do you have, do you keep like a snow day calendar or like a, like a, like under over or I mean, I I think as a teacher, I'd want to have like a, Hey, as many snow days as possible into the calendar. Oh, Oh, we are absolutely (laughs) rooted. I mean, we like snow days more than the kids do. Yeah. Um, And back when I was living in the Midwest, I mean, you could now, like we'd have been rooting for snow days since late October 
you know, Northern Virginia, like you realistically have no hope until <laughs> January, January, February. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, no, it, it's, it's been fun so far. It's been fun. So speaking of, of snow and the cold and, and, uh, how are things going on with the, uh, with the house? <laughs> the, the cold and the, the potential snow have actually been very, very much, a a topic of conversation for my wife and I, and my dad was out here middle of October, specifically with the end goal of, I mean, I feel like we're pioneers sometimes. Like we got to get ready for winter. <laughs> um, <laughs> like we, we got to make sure that the house is, is secure from the elements. And so, I mean, we're putting like, it's just so sad. You know, a year ago I was living in a townhouse in suburbia and none of this was on my radar, but you know, we were going around putting plastic over the windows because it's an old house and they're single pane, you know, wood frame, yep. like just leaking heat, like it's their job. And so we're trying to cover up all that. And there's 54 windows in this house. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Ask me how I know. Um, <laughs> are, they, are they all the same size? No. No. <laughs> And some of them are actually good. Uh, some of them are in good shape. Um, but the majority of them we've needed to cover up or cover over mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. And so it looks a little bit like we're getting ready for the zombie apocalypse. Um, <laughs> you know, we've put plywood over some of the windows for rooms that are either in a demolished state or will soon be demolished. And we just don't need to worry about the window. So they've got plywood over and insulation shoved in between. Um, and then others, you know, just plastic over. Uh, we've left a few open because we just, we can't stand to shut out the view completely. Right. Uh, and it's been so much fun. Like we've gotten to watch the deer, you know, oh, run yeah. through the yard because oh, yeah. like it's the rut now. And so the bucks are chasing the does oh, yeah. and it's just been hilarious uh, watching all that play out. But no, I mean that, yeah, the, you know, winter is coming is is a real thing in the house right now. <laughs> and and it's been, it was fun to have that time with my dad and get the house ready. Um, and it's been, it's been fun, but also like, you know, fun with a sense of countdown clock mm. in the back of your head of, I got stuff to do. And if I don't get it done, then, you know, it's not like we're going to freeze to death, but the electric bill is going to be <laughs> a little bit astronomical. If this stuff doesn't get put in place, so how does that look like with your dad and and him being around? Because I've known, like when my dad has has come to my house in the past, and I ask him for help on something, I often have to remind him that I'm not that six year old boy that can't <laughs> swing a hammer anymore, right? So how does that look like for you? Because I know we've had this conversation in the yeah. past, like, hey, dad. I can take direction a lot, a lot differently than I could in the yeah. past. So, well, and you guys have now all gotten to be here when my dad was here and and swing a hammer alongside oh, yeah. him. Um, it was easy for me because I'm 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 big dumb army guy. Just give me a crown and I can color, and <laughs> and, and your dad can give me directions and I just move out. So I I, I it was easy for me. Maybe just because I have that army mentality, though. I, yeah. I, I did fall afoul of his one rule, though, of don't leave tools on top of the ladder. So <laughs> I should have listened. I came should've, back and bite you. <laughs> I needed remediation on that, that one. Was, that was like second or third on his list that I remember. Like he gave us a list, and that was oh, yeah. one of them. And, yep, it uh, was. Need remediation, but thankfully not stitches. <laughs> True. Yeah. No, it's been fun, and we honestly had some of the those same moments of you know the last time 
you know, my dad and I have gotten to work together off and on over the years and the project was always different. So there was always a learning curve for me with whatever the new part of the project was. And so this is really the first time that my dad and I have gotten extended time, you know, with tools in hand and he's gotten the chance to see the progress and the growth that I've made. Yeah. And, you know, it's a little bit like, you know, when you're working with, you know, working with tools is a lot like, you know, being around people with a weapon in their hand or something like, you know, there's an element of safety involved where you want to know this person knows what they're doing so I don't get hurt and or killed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. And so it was very understandable for my dad to be a little bit overcautious at times of, let me make sure you know what you're doing because, you know, your house is at stake, my safety's at stake, your safety's at stake. Yeah. And so we've had some cool moments of, him either non-verbally or in some cases verbally going, all right, Mm. good work. Yeah. You know, I I can tell that you know what you're doing now, or at least you know a whole lot more than what I remember you being able to do, you Mm -hmm. know, the last time we worked together. Oh man, the dad nod, right? The dad, I'm sure. Oh man, that little approval, like, all right. I like that. Yeah. That is, that is a good thing. And, you know, one of the things that I don't know that I necessarily realized how much it was still important to me because it's easy to lose sight of I'm a 37 year old man. Like I've been paying up my own bills for a decade and a half, you know, been living on my own, you know, making my own meals, you know, butchering house repairs to the best of my ability, (laughs) whatever the case. But you're right. Cutting the crust off your own peanut butter sandwich. Absolutely. Like a grown ass man. (laughs) Right. But you're right. I mean, there is there is still something to that of, you know, when dad looks at you and, and yeah. gives you the nod, yeah. like it it reawakens a younger place in you that that you kind of forgot was there. Yeah. But is still very much in need of those moments. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, because dad is always dad. Right. Right. And I feel like that's true whatever relationship you have with dad, you know, there's, there is that spot that dad just by who he is, is always going to occupy in your life. And I know, you know, Mike, you've talked about that before with, with your dad, Mm. you know, and, and still having this need to have dad. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Just, just, you know, be there and, and be in that role. Right. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that I continue to kind of remind myself is the uh, the inward and the outward, right? To be able to, to to still be fathered and then also turn that and flip that and, and father my own mm-hmm. kids, right? And, you know, to build off of what John said, I, I still look forward to those opportunities to be, I don't want to say compared to my dad, but at least to be recognized as my, my dad's son, mm-hmm. right? You know, I, I tell this story about yeah. in, in woodshop, my woodshop teacher was an older gentleman and you know, reading off the attendance list, he came down to my last name and was like, you know, Laura. I was like, oh, that's me. And he kind of like took a step back and he was just like, are you, are you Fernando's boy? And I was like, yeah, that's me. And he's like, all right, you're not allowed to touch the power tools <laughs> for the next few weeks. And I thought to myself like, oh, there's a legacy I have to. Uh-huh. It can feed into or prove, prove yeah. you know, break those generational curses, right? Yeah. But yeah. it was one of those situations where I, I enjoyed being recognized as my dad's son, right? Yeah. And I still look forward to those kind of opportunities and being, and being 
given the opportunity to be tested, mm-hmm. right? And to see that, hey, I am, I don't say living up to the the name, but ultimately, am I handling my own? Is, am I yeah. am I am I trained up and ready to to carry on the the, yeah. the legacy, right? And I think that's that's one of the things that I continue to look for. Not only, and it, it is harder for me now that my relationship with my dad has started to fade, right? And I, I kind of, I have the opportunity now to share in our community and kind of hear stories and, and I don't say compare stories, but kind of like give feedback and kind of like, you know, discuss these topics with other guys. And and it is something that I continue to to look for, right? I, I kind of said this in my, in my, in my story, you know, when we talked about that was my desire to be fathered, right? Yeah. I need that mentor. I want that mentor, that coach. And not only that, but the biggest part of that desire comes from the fact that I want to be able to provide that to my sons. Yeah. Right. And so like the other, the other day I was, um, I got an awesome gift for father's day. My wife gave me three journals dedicated to each one of the boys that I could write letters to them. And I try to do it first of the month or so often because I, I didn't want to do it like every Father's Day and like, you know, miss a whole year of, of stories. But I, yep. towards the end of the month, towards the beginning, uh, the beginning of the month, I tried to write a letter to the boys. And I was, I was getting ready to write this month. And I thought to myself like, man, how awesome would this have been to have something for my dad to look back on, especially now while I'm looking for, for those that word of encouragement or those, you know, mm-hmm. advice and all that other things. So I don't know about you guys. I mean, it's, I, I'm sure it's a different kind of, of feeling and, and relationship with your guys' dads, but like that desire doesn't change with the fact that you're, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's it being more present or less present, that desire to want to be fathered and to have that look of approval and to look at that as, Hey dad, I'm, I'm man enough. I'm good enough. I'm I'm here. It doesn't go away and it doesn't fade, right? I mean, that's no. something that I think you guys yeah. deal with on a on I don't want to say a daily basis, but on a, on a, a constant basis at least, yeah. right? Yeah, I think you know, like I said before, it, there's there is this place that that dad has, yeah, right. You know, I I can think back. My dad was a, a really good athlete, right? And so that was that was always kind of like a bar that mm-hmm. was there of like, yeah. you know, dad's a really good athlete. I'm going to try and be a really good athlete like dad. But there's also, you know, you, you brought up the the idea of turning it around and then being father yourself. I think there's also, there's this idea of we can't give what we haven't mm. received, yeah. right? And so if I am looking to be a good father, then that's that's got to come from a place of being fathered. And so yeah. the, the first person that that has the opportunity to do that is dad Mm -hmm. and so i'm looking back to dad of do i have what it takes have i hit this mark is there something that i can still learn from you um you know i I think about with my kids just the fact that my dad has gone through having a kindergartner Mm -hmm. before yeah you, you know with me and my brother and sister and there are still even as uh, a grown ass man that can cut the crust <laughs> off my own sandwiches. That's right. You know, there are things that I haven't experienced yet that my dad has. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I think about that a lot, especially with, with the kids of like, what was I like as a kid? 
you know what kind of what kind of crap did i put my parents through yeah you know, I, I think i was fantastic right um you know that's completely my memory uh you know but but i'm sure there were things that like you know they had to figure out about me as as the oldest yeah of, of the three siblings you know because it was a new experience for them at the time and and so i think about that often of like oh, my parents are real people and they went through some of the same things right you know and and there is this um you know dad is just is out there as this figure of person that has knowledge and has gone before and can bestow certain things mm-hmm. uh, and and can speak into a particular place in our lives i think that that a lot of us don't allow other people to speak into in the same way yeah and one of the phrases that always comes to mind for me kind of along these lines is masculinity is bestowed yep right and it and it's bestowed by masculinity you know manhood is bestowed by manhood and because it's 2019 we have to acknowledge like not in a toxic way not in a machismo way not in a you know men you know kind yeah. of thing <laughs> but like you you're as a male mm-hmm. right your concept of what it looks like to be a mature male comes from mature males for better or worse yep and so there is unfortunately you know there are toxic parts there there are parts that just go off the rails left or right with that or sometimes don't go anywhere because it's absent mm-hmm. i mean when i was in college my freshman year my roommate and i hosted a kid from brazil i honestly don't even remember how this program happened i think it might have been a friend of my roommate I, the details really don't matter but you know we got to talking about just you know what it was like to grow up in different places and one of the things that i remember this guy bruno talking about was when you hit i think it was 16 and I th- he was you know he was growing up in sao paulo that if you hadn't been with a woman yet by 16 that your friends and or potentially your dad would arrange for a prostitute for you because that was the marker wow right that's the threshold you cross that threshold you're a man and he was even commenting on the fact that like that was weird (laughs) like there was something that just felt a little bit off about that yeah and you know so as we're just as we're talking about this like it it sort of brings to the fore this idea of we need that masculine influence to become the men that we're supposed to be, to become the men that we want to be. And there's a lot of times that we're left searching for it. And, you know, even in my case, you know, just, you know, talking about working with my dad now on the house, like there were a lot of years where, because my folks split up, like my dad was not here, Mm -hmm. right? He was three States away you know, pre-cell phone, pre-email, like actual writing letters, lick a envelope, close, put a stamp on it kind of communication or long distance where you had to pay for it, <laughs> which if you're under the age of, I don't know, what is it now, like 29, you don't know what I'm talking about right. at the moment. But like that, that was the extent of our connection for large chunks of the year. And so that notion of fathering, that notion of day-to-day impressions of manhood and masculinity was in many cases absent. And so you're kind of left to your own devices at that point to figure out what does it look like to 
be fathered? What does it look like to be a man? But I think too, you know, we all have different experiences with our fathers. For me, you know, my father was around, still is around, uh, I guess I should say. <laughs> um, you know, so so growing up, dad was there and, and dad, you know, did all of the dad things, coached the, the sports teams and, you know, school events. You know, my parents uh, became like the biggest track fans that ever were. You know, but regardless of, of what, uh, you know, our experience with dad, positive uh, or negative, uh, you know, I, I think we, all, we have to acknowledge and maybe even more on the positive side, like in so many areas of our lives, we don't get to escape pain free. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And a lot of that doesn't come down to, you know, necessarily dad doing something actually wrong. But, you know, even just the way that we perceive things growing up, yeah. we can we can take something and, and get it twisted around and, and take it on as as wounding or for me and my dad, uh, you know, there are things that we are definitely different on. He is like he's that dad with the meticulous lawn yeah. in the neighborhood and always has been and. Uh, and growing up, like, I, I could care less about that kind of stuff, you know. And then my brother came along, and, and he's just like my dad in that way, <laughs> you know. And so, like, there are things, even though I had positive relationship with my dad growing up, and, and we continue to have a positive relationship, you know, there there are things where we're not the same person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, growing up, there are places where, you know, I felt different from dad. And so we, we kind of have to, I don't know if this is the right word, but, but backfill maybe mm-hmm. yeah. a little bit in, in what our experiences, what our experiences were and, and kind of what that need continues to be. Right. So how does that, how does that backfill look? Like when you say, when you say to backfill that, how does that look? Well, you know, I think just recognizing that that father is more than just a biological position mm-hmm. also uh you, you know that that we can be fathered by any number of things yeah. and so that if if dad was not a part of your grown up or mm-hmm. is, is not a part of your life anymore that you're not just automatically scratched from the game yeah you know that that there are places that we can go and should go and need to go uh, to to get those same kind of uh, lessons and uh, validation and that sort of stuff. And, and it may not become, you know, it may not come from the actual man who is biologically father. Yeah. But um, that there are other places that we can go. And, and as we get older, you know, I think there's other places that we need to go that are not necessarily dad. Yeah. Um, you know, the three of us have kind of struck out on our own now. And, you know, and, and so like needing to, to go to daddy for things, you know, is decreased. And, um, you know, as we as we move along our own path and, and need to pick up things um, from from different sources. Yeah, I think. A mentor of mine, and actually, you know, he'll 
Nate will be on the podcast later on in the season, I think. And one of the things that he told me that he, the way he kind of influenced his son was by influencing his friends. Yeah. Right. Being there as a mentor, coach, father for his son's friends in turn mentored his, his, yeah. his son. And I look at it from the, from a different perspective. I look at it from a, from a dad perspective of Kellen's not always going to look to me for certain things. And it's my job now to put men in his life mm-hmm. that can be that outlet of, you don't know what you're talking about, dad. I'm going to go mm-hmm. to uncle right. Tom. I'm going to go to uncle John. And, yeah. and I have been, diligent in the fact that I am looking to put both of you specifically in my son's life as, I don't say as outlets, but as somebody that they can reach out to for, for this additional advice, right? Like John, I know this is a subject that, that we've kind of talked about on the podcast, but you know, your desire to be a dad, right? And without trying to like take anything from that, I look at you like a mentor and a coach and a father to my kids in certain areas where I'm not going to have the answers because I wasn't either given or delivered those answers myself. But sometimes, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm, am human, right? I'm man. And I, I'm not going to be the perfect dad. Right. I, and I've, and I've settled that and I've come to that understanding of myself, but that doesn't mean that I can't put the necessary tools in place for my kids. Mm -hmm. Well, and you're right. And, you know, Tom, going back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, we don't, we don't find ourselves running to daddy all that often anymore. Mm. By the same token, though, I think there is still that place in us that wants to. Mm-hmm. That th- there's always that that new venture in life that leaves us feeling a little bit unsettled. That you know, when we were teenagers, we were fairly convinced that our parents were idiots. <laughs> right like they're they're rock stars they're geniuses up through you know whatever it is nine ten eleven you know yeah. whatever and then somewhere in the teen years they turn into morons and i have no idea how that happens you know the science <laughs> baffles me um, i work with teenagers it still happens they're fairly convinced that anyone over the age of about 21 and a half is a complete and utter idiot um, but then something seems to shift um, and I forget who said this. It was somebody like Mark Twain or something like that, that, you know, it was amazing how much smarter their parents got yeah. in, you know, the four or five years into mid-20s. But I, there is always a next thing that I think we find ourselves wishing for the wisdom and experience and expertise of people that are a little bit further down the road. Yeah, You know, you, you enter into parenthood. Mm-hmm. And as much as, you know, Again, not for myself, but I've been around people. I've been around people parenting that, you know, on the one hand are trying to keep their own folks at arm's length. Like, you know, no, this is the way we're going to do it. But at the same time, it's like, all right, how, how, how do I do this? <laughs> like, what, what do you do when the baby is, you know, whatever the case? And, and you see that same thing happening with, with marriages. Right, early on in a relationship, it's no, 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 mom and dad. Like we know what we're doing. Like th- this is special. This is magical. You never felt like this. I've seen you and mom. You know, whatever. But then there's that point. You know, years down the road of, I wish there was someone that I could go to that could help me understand. Like, mm-hmm. how do you sustain a marriage five years in, ten years in, with kids, mm-hmm. with job transition, with new house, with, with whatever the thing is. And and I've even you know I've gotten to talk with guys that are in their 
late forties or fifties or, or even some guys in their sixties that, you know, have said they've, they've been able to verbalize. I wish I still had my dad around Mm. because there's stuff I want to ask him now. Mm. I want to be able to ask the guy that was 20, 30 years ahead of me my whole life. What do I do now? What do I do with empty nest syndrome and trying to reconnect with my spouse after 30 years of it always being about the kids. What do I do now as I enter into retirement Mm -hmm. and I've always been a worker and now there's no work, you know, what, what do I do? You know, dad, you always, you always help me, you know, figure out like, you know, as I was getting bigger and stronger and taller and faster, you know, how to harness these things, you know, dad, what do I do as my body is starting to fail me? Mm -hmm. You know, there, there is always the need for, fathering yeah in whatever form or fashion but there is something inescapable about that desire for father that desire for dad certainly but for a father figure who has gone before and who can say in whatever capacity here son here's what i know let me share it so during my time in the military i used to live by the motto of I learn a lot from great NCOs, but I've learned a heck of a lot more from the bad ones. And I've learned a lot from my dad and from my uncles. But for somebody out there who doesn't have that opportunity to kind of reach in for that dad or that uncle, what are the other opportunities out there to, to go out and find that, right? How do I, as somebody who myself continues to look for that desire to be mentored and coach where do i go right where what's the easiest place i guess and i'm kind of throwing this off as as to either of you the park where they have the chess boards <laughs> the, guy, the, the, the <laughs> guy the guy handing out candy with the just, band just go pick up some old guy at, at the park I mean, I mean yeah shuffleboard or what's that uh what's a yeah. what's a what's a bocce that bocce yeah. there you go yeah well i think some of it is you first have to get to a place of recognition yeah. that they have something of value. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was a huge struggle. Yeah, you know, Tom and I have now both been to this event called The, the Intensive. Um, and you're going to hear about that in the next episode from one of the guys that, we, that Tom and I both got to have a shared experience with. And the whole premise of it is sitting with older men. Mm-hmm. I had the hardest time with that. Mm-hmm. It, it turns out that 30 year old me was still a lot like teenage me that thought old <laughs> people were stupid I, and it's sad but there I'm, and there's lots of reasons for it but it was really hard for me to even begin to be in a place of receiving anything of value or instruction yeah. or mentoring or or fathering you know from fatherly figures because I'd pretty much sold myself on the idea of I'm good. Yeah. I'm smart. Right. I can figure it out. Got it covered. Yeah. And, and so I think step one is just recognizing that need mm-hmm. and being willing to put yourself in the vulnerable place of submission right. to someone else. 
admitting you don't have all the answers, admitting that you, you don't necessarily know what to do. And while you could figure it out, figuring it out might be a coin flip of this could go well or this could be an epic train wreck. And so I think that step one is just the realization of I could benefit from the expertise and experience of somebody older and somebody older might actually be someone wiser as well. Mm. I think step two then is, and you really have to be careful with this, especially if you didn't have the dad that you wanted which again, Tom, like you said, is the case for a lot of us because however good our dads were, there was always the opportunity for us to misinterpret their best intentions. Yeah. Right? Like, I know my dad loves me. I know my dad would do anything for me. But the time where we were geographically separated had an effect. You know your dad loves you. But some of the tensions that existed in that relationship created some opportunities for things that your dad didn't intend, right. but have nonetheless shaped your relationship. And so I think one of the things that we have to be really kind with, uh, especially as now we're just going to keep using the expression grown ass men, mostly because it's fun. <laughs> I mean, a little levity never hurts, but I think one of the things you have to be careful of as adult men now venturing back into this space of, allowing yourself to be fathered is you're not going to find the perfect father figure now. Mm -hmm. Right. You might get the better version of somebody else's dad, which I mean, I, I've seen the benefits of, I've gotten to know some guys that are a little bit further along than me that are great guys now, but were not great guys when yeah. they were raising their kids. Yeah. Yeah. But if, if we start to put people back up on pedestals, we're going to end up with disappointment. But by the same token, every single man has something to offer, mm. large or small. But there are lessons to be learned from the miles that they've walked and the experiences that they've had. And like you said, Mike, you can learn just as much from their mistakes and the things that they're not doing well as the things that they are. Well, so here's a question for you, Mike, because you were bringing this up um, before we were recording. You know, I, I think for some people, this would would tend to go in the direction of accumulating resources, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. and uh, you know, there's all kinds of older, wiser men that you know have written books, and and so I can. And to an extent, this is true, you know, be fathered through the the messages that they have left behind them. Um, but you were saying before, you know, that, that really, particularly in this area of fathering, there is a, like an, an actual physicality mm -hmm. to the need, like to actually have a person to be able to go to and talk with. No, and, and I think that's, that's the biggest struggle for me, right? It is easy to, you know, look at the books, look at the notes, look at the lecture or listen to the lectures and, and, and have these resources. But, and again, I don't know if it's the, the, the physical touch or the, you know, pat on the back or the attaboys that I've talked about in, in prior episodes, but that holds a lot of weight. 
Yeah. Right. To be able to turn to somebody and actually get that response, that immediate response, I think very valuable, especially, especially in times like this where I am looking for guidance. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's the, that's the thing that I look for when, when I continue to be at, to ask these questions. And, and one of the things that I'm, I'm kind of realizing more as we continue this conversation that it is easier for me to gather these resources. It is easier for me to check into these guys on, you know, the John Eltridge books and the whatever, whatever resource I'm using as a book this week to as a father figure than it is to actually have a real life accountability partner or somebody that can kind of hold my feet to the fire, if you will, as well. Because mm-hmm. Like you said, the opposite side of that coin is you're going to be held accountable to that, right? There is somebody that you're looking for that. You know, I don't say be careful for what you wish for, but hey, you want that. You're going to get everything with that as well, too. Right? Well, yeah, it's going to be messy. Right? Yeah, exactly. like, yeah. You're opening, and we've talked about this in other podcasts. You know, when you agree to some level of uh, relationship, you are opening yourself up to yeah whatever mess is is potentially going to come with that you know and like john said you're going to find very quickly that you know none of the men that that you're perfect, looking yeah. for this from are, are perfect and they're right. going to do it just the right way you know yeah. but you're right mike i mean there is also the element of if you're looking for the wisdom and expertise of older men then in some capacity as you allow yourself to experience this fathering as an adult there is sort of a childlikeness hmm. that you have to be willing to accept. And not, ju- not that you're going to get the adult version of a spanking, <laughs> but you're going to get the adult version of a spanking, mm-hmm. right? If you're asking for that sort of relationship, then that means you're giving somebody else the permission to call you on your stuff yeah. in a fatherly way mm-hmm. that, you know, brooks no disagreement. Mm-hmm. Right. That that we're not going to hash this out as equals, but yeah. you know, you've given me the opportunity to to have this role in your life. And so if I call you on your stuff, then your job is to say, you're right, Mm -hmm. sir. (laughs) And, (laughs) and, you know, respond differently than if it's the three of us sitting around. Yeah. Like that, that is, again, as an adult man, that is a hard place to revert to after in some cases, decades of trying to escape it. Yeah. And be your own man, you know, be, Lord of your realm and man of your house and whatever else, and to willingly submit yourself again once more to the yoke of somebody else's authority is, that can mm-hmm. be tricky. To to check the inner grown-ass man, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, so here's my question, because I know that we, we have talked about uh, doing an episode or two on this later in the season. So what is the difference to you guys between fathering and mentoring because to me like if i'm if i'm looking to someone as a mentor i'm i'm not looking to get you know a grown-up spanking right from that person (laughs) you know i I don't think there's the same level of access uh you know i I can't quite put my finger on it but yeah you know yeah um, it's, it's not the same to me so what do you guys think about that yeah I think John kind of nailed it. I mean, I, I don't want to call it discipline or I'm trying to think of the word that comes from that, but there is a correction. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that mentorship has more of a, 
hey, this is this is the book. Read the book. This is what I'm going to provide you as as the path. But if I stray from the path, then there's no corrective like to come back to it. Right. Like, hey, if I'm off my azimuth, if I'm if I'm shooting six degrees to the right, mentorship is just going to tell me, all right, well, this is the path that I went. Being a father is, hey, check yourself, go back, go back to the six degrees back to the left and come and, and, and correct yeah. your actions. I think that's, that's for me is the biggest difference between a father and a mentor is that discipline, that corrective actions, those adult spankings. I don't know. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> but those, those, those real life, Hey, check yourself. This is something that's going to come about that, right? Like, Hey, you have to be able to take that hard, that harder part of being fathered than yeah. mentored. Mm. Mentored to me is that, Hey dude, this is how I've done it. Yeah. Let's do it together or yeah. let me you know, almost almost like an older brother. Yeah. I guess when mm-hmm. I look at mentorship, I look at older brother. When I look at fathership, I look at dad. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, when I think about the difference between you know, being fathered and being mentored, being mentored to me feels situational. Mm-hmm. Being fathered feels like it's more about my identity and character. Yeah, that's good. That, you know, I I need to be mentored in some ways as an aspiring teacher or a speaker or as a husband or as a father. You know, those those are niche roles, right? They're important, right? Those are significant aspects of who I am, but they're isolated, they're siloed, right? Being fathered, feels more holistic. Mm-hmm. You know, being fathered feels like it's going to touch on who I'm becoming across multiple platforms, across multiple situations, across multiple environments, across all of those silos. Mm-hmm. That it's about the man that I'm becoming. Yeah. Not just the father, not just yeah. the worker, not just the coach, not just the teacher, not just the whatever situational aspect of my character, but it's more the totality of who I am. Mm-hmm. And just because you said the man that I'm becoming and, and I'm trying to like maybe even dive a little bit, I don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers here or anything, but is there a masculine and feminine thing that can come from mentorship that cannot come from fathership? Mm-hmm. Is fathership strictly masculine? So, I mean, if I'm sticking to the definition that I just gave, which I now feel obligated to, (laughs) um, (laughs) um, it it reminds me of, it reminds me of a story. um, So again, we we quote some of the stuff from Ransomed Heart, John Eldridge, Morgan Snyder is another one of the guys there. And so one of the stories that Morgan's told was, you you know, being fathered is something that's really important to him. And he told the story of, you know, he wanted to get into archery, um, specifically archery hunting. And so he, like, he didn't know what to do. He doesn't know where to go. He doesn't know who to look for. And so he finally finds this place to go and he's sitting outside of this like sporting goods store or archery shop or whatever. And he's like, God, can, can you send someone to father me in this? You know, not just in the niche skill of shooting an arrow with a bow, but sort of that that masculine competency of I can step into the outdoors and have what it takes. And he walks inside of this shop and the guy at the desk like walks away and there's this like 
800-year-old woman standing there. <laughs> and he's like, it figures. This is what I get. Like, I ask for a father figure and I get an 80-year-old woman. And it turns out that she was like an Olympic archer who specialized in training, you know, specifically youth, but anyone, you know, not only the sport of archery, but the competencies of engaging in this arena in general. And and so he tells the story of how this just turned into an incredible mentoring relationship in the skill, but that he really received some elements of being fathered mm. in terms of, you know, integrity and character and his identity as a person, you know, from this experienced wise woman who not only had the technical know-how in this place that he wanted to grow and develop, but also just had some life wisdom that he was in desperate need of. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't want to just drop that as the entire answer to your question, but I think as is often the case with life and with a life with God, that there's, there's a little bit of crossover at times because God will do just about anything and use just about anyone to help us become the people that he knows he created us to be yeah. when we begin to search for that. And I think my response to that would be that it can't, that fathering cannot come from only the feminine source. You know, if, if you were to grow up single mom, only females in in authority figures, wisdom figures in your life, that there would be something that was missed by not having the masculine to step into that. And so I think, you know, there are places where the feminine can step in and play that fathering role, but not in its entirety. I mean, it brings us back to the idea of, you know, masculinity does at core have to be bestowed by masculinity right manhood mm. bestowed by manhood but to ignore what anyone has to offer is at the same time a mistake and we talked before i mean as human beings we just find it so much easier to go zero or a hundred right yeah, you right. know I can't drive 55 though right <laughs> so like as we're finding that middle space there are opportunities from anywhere but you're right i mean if you only look exclusively in one place or if you exclude one place you're gonna miss out because god's everywhere yeah and so that brings us around really to a great point in fathering right is um fathering with a capital f of uh you know regardless of of what has happened with our earthly father or, or father figures that we have in our lives, you know, as believers sitting around the microphones, you know, we have the opportunity to look to God as a source of fathering to, to provide some of those things that, that maybe we didn't get from dad or to provide right perspective on some of the things that we did get from, from our earthly fathers you know, and so there is an aspect of this that comes from spiritual development side as well. 
Yeah, and and not just in the, you know, lobbing prayers up, you know, hoping for some magical internal transformation, but you know, in the actual pursuit of being fathered by God, just like we're talking about, like, how would you go find a mentor? How would you go find a father figure? Right? There, there's intentionality, right? There's pursuit. There's mm-hmm. there's engagement, right? There's effort. Yep. You know, so again, this isn't just a churchy expression to cover all the rest of the bases <laughs> of if all else fails, just, you know, God, right? But, <laughs> you know, there there is a way to pursue fathering from God that is just as real and authentic and transformative and meaningful as, you know, the 80-year-old woman in the archery shop or, you know, the the guy that you just bump into at one point and you realize he's got something I could benefit from, right? It's, it's the same thing in the sense that it requires something from you, mm-hmm. both a submission to, I don't have all the answers and I need some help, but also the intentionality of, I need to pursue this and not just wait passively for it to hopefully happen on its own. Yeah. I think, you know, it's not surprising God as father as the model for fathers. Right. And so there is the engaging in relationship Mm -hmm. and, and needing to be intentional and intimate in that relationship. And and I think, you know, a, a lot of the other things that we talked about tonight, the, you know, I'm sitting here thinking of the correction piece, are are you willing to be checked? Yeah. Something as simple as the the other day, I, uh, you know, I, I had to make a phone call, and uh, got off. You know, I, I didn't end up actually connecting with the person. Left them a voicemail, um, and I was like, well, that was a like a waste of time and really downer. And you know, and I felt God just tell me, you didn't you didn't ask me about it. You didn't come to me, uh, you know, about what that was supposed to look like or. You know, and I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, and course correct, you know, and okay, uh, maybe a, a, not as, you know, dramatic as a spanking, but, <laughs> you know, but there there was this correction yeah. that was given and received and, you know, move forward in, in the new direction, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and so there's the opportunity to engage in a relationship with him that looks like all of the things that we've said we're looking for yeah. in that that earthly father relationship. Yeah. So I think part of what we're getting to at the tail end of this conversation is the recognition that one, this is a place of need mm-hmm. for all of us. However old we are, we are still as yet unfinished. And so much like the younger versions of us that were very much in need of dad or teachers or coaches to help us to become better versions of ourselves, even at the, the wise and older ages of thirties, forties, fifties, you know, or 60, 60, seventies, eighties, right. There is still more yeah. available. And one of the best places that we could ever turn to with intentionality and seriousness and significance is God. Again, not as in, in case of emergency break glass option or you know, throw up a couple of prayers and hope that in, you know, three to five business days, something arrives in the mail, but with, with engagement 
right? That, that there is something available that could be, that will be, that is emphatically transformative. And so what we're going to invite you to listen to next, uh, we mentioned him earlier, this older man that Tom and I both got to meet at this experience called The Intensive, um, our friend Santiago. Uh, We're going to loop him into a conversation in this next episode. And we're honestly going to do a lot of listening. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he doesn't have all the answers and he would be the first person to tell you that. But he's got some miles on the tires that we don't. And he's come to some realizations that take many of us a little while to get to. And he's come through those realizations to find some of his own answers. And so like we've said before, you know, no man is perfect as an example. Um, But he has some very worthwhile things that he shared with us and that we want to share with you. And so we're just excited to be able to invite you into that conversation next. So for now, uh, we thank you for being a part of this conversation with me, Mike, and Tom. Um, And we thank you for, in advance, tuning into this next conversation uh, with our friend Santiago. Um, Because as we say pretty much every week, the goal of Strong Towers is for each of us individually and for all of us collectively to truly build up and become strong, to become the men, to become the people that we were made to be. And that only happens in relationship and that only happens with help. And so thank you for letting us be a part of this journey with you and thank you for being a part of this journey with us. And so we'll see you guys next time. Hey guys, Tom here. If you like the conversation that we were having uh, this week on the podcast, make sure to give us a, a like or a review in your podcasting app. And we'd love for you to join in the conversation uh, beyond just uh, just what we got to talk through this week. So uh, find us on Facebook. We have a private group on Facebook now. You can uh, get to that through our website, strong-towers.com, or on Facebook you can search for We Are Strong Towers. Uh, Like I said, it is a private group, so you'll need to ask uh, for us to to let you in there just to keep it a safe space for guys to engage in in deep conversation as we look at these topics that are uh, so important to who we are and and, uh, how we approach life. Um, Follow us on social media also at strong underscore towers on Instagram and Twitter.